this morning is really a day of celebration and it's a day that that a lot of us really were not sure that we would ever see even though we believed in the word of the Lord you know sometimes we get so busy in our intercession and we get so busy in our um, in our um, travailing for a breakthrough that um, that when the day of celebration comes, we almost say it, it's really almost too great. I don't even know what it's like to really celebrate. And I'm just speaking from my own experience. Um, as most of you may know, um, yesterday there was a, an abortion bill, HB2, HB2? Friday, I'm sorry, Friday night, well, it was really Saturday because it was at 1 a.m., um, was passed at, um, at the Texas legislature, and, um, and it was a great day in Texas history. And it was one that this house has a, a personal investment in, and, and I say that because every person in this house who, who has been laboring for life um, in, in, in a very tangible way um, really your account in heaven and the prayers and the intercession and the worship that we have been doing for the last, gosh, six years goes to heaven with you. And that goes into your account of eternity. Um, I want to give you a little bit of a history lesson and then we're going to have some testimony and then I'm going to talk to you about the doctrine of the shedding of innocent blood. Okay? Is everybody good? Um, Back in 2006, a man named Matt Sorger had a word over Dallas, Texas. And it's very important, you know, as a body of Christ, that we know the Logos word, we know the written word of God, but also the rhema word of God when it comes. When the prophetic word comes, God is doing something in the earth, and our job is just to say, yes, Lord, send me, right? And uh, so, the, so Matt Sorger's word came, and he said that out of the spirit of Zerubbabel would come many things uh, out of Dallas, Texas that would influence the whole nation of America. And one of those things was going to be the ending of Roe v. Wade. That, that what we were carrying in this place would actually influence and go all the way to the Supreme Court and it would shift and change the death culture over America. And so, um, you know, we really took that very seriously. And so we have here in the house what we call life sets, life sets. And these life sets go on every week, all the time. And what it is, is it's, it's a two-hour worship and prayer set every week for the past six years. Years. And we have been faithful to continue those life sets. Even when there's nobody in this room, the team is up here every Tuesday night um, led by uh, Catherine Blom. And um, there's someone on this stage. We have had different prayer leaders, but we've uh, but Catherine has been carrying this life set now, I think for the past three years. And, uh, and just really laboring in that place when it's hard, when it's dry laboring for life and the Lord gave us a dream about uh, doing something that was going to be a citywide event and Lou Engel approached me back uh, about a year ago two years ago and he said hey Tracy I feel like the Lord is calling us to do another Esther call and actually the dream that I had had was about Esther it was a, it was an Esther type dream and I said to him you know what I've had this dream and so, so I really feel like that we're supposed to participate in it you know if, if God because God always prophesied 
prophesies and so you've got a history in God and your history in God your prophetic history will go before you and actually help create the reality that then will come after and so we knew that we were supposed to participate in the Esther call um, why don't you put the um, pictures so here we were and we led the whole city in a time of prayer and repentance it was out in the public forum um, where we were actually declaring and decreeing uh, Jared led worship Kat was there we were declaring and decreeing out in the open downtown Dallas and the and the sound of, of the, the bride the sound of, of the intercession was resonating and and going and echoing all throughout the city. And we were actually um, uh, uh, creating what, was, what happened the, yesterday with the abortion bill. Because Second Chronicles 7.14 says that my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, meaning will turn back to me and pray, then I will heal their land. And we take that very seriously. And so we had gone on a, like a, a, an extended fast. We called the whole house to fast. We were all engaged as one voice and one body. And we were saying, we're going to be like an arrow that makes a difference. So we had this Esther call and a man said to Anne-Marie as we were leaving, he was actually one of the um, bodyguards because there had been a lot of death threats around the whole Esther call. And, um, and he said to us, uh, he said, you know, um, you guys have struck the ground with an arrow. You've, you struck it, but you have to keep hitting the ground. You can't let, you've, you've, you've now made an impression in the ground and you, you've established a crack. But in order for this thing to really see it come to, its, to the end, you've got to continue to strike the ground. And he was actually quoting um, in 2 Kings where Elisha tells the king, if you want to destroy um, the army of the enemy, you're going to have to continue to strike the ground. And he only struck it three times. And he said, if you'd have struck it six times, then you would have seen the destruction of the enemy. So the word for us was keep hitting this in prayer even though you've had an event you can't let the momentum of the spirit just fall there. And so we really took a personal responsibility to continue to fast and pray for the ending of abortion in our land. Um, so what was happening yesterday or actually Friday really has been an eye-opener because it's been happening um, over the last few weeks and it's very interesting because this thing kind of came up like on our radar. Nobody was expecting it. It wasn't something that anybody talked about. It wasn't something that was reported. They kind of kept it underground. And I believe that this is the crowning legislation of, of Rick Perry. And whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, I really don't care because Jesus doesn't care. Remember, he said, I remember what um, Joshua said to him at the, at the wall of Jericho. Are you for us or against us? And, and, and the Lord said, I'm for neither. I'm for me. Let me tell you about my agenda. Let me tell you about my thoughts because I'm for the kingdom of heaven advancing in the land. And so whatever your political uh, uh, thoughts are, I'm not here to have a political discussion. I'm here to talk about life and, and the heart of God in the area of life. 
So um, we found out that this, this bill was coming forth and we called the house to, to um, fast and pray. We began to uh, hit every, every set, began to pray for life. And we began to say, all right, now we've got to push this thing all the way in because, you know, these senators and congressmen of ours that God has put in place, he actually has brought some of the most courageous men and women. And now the, in all of the places, that they weren't willing to go because I believe because of the prayers and the, of the saints because of the intercession I believe that we're actually reaching a tipping point not just in Texas but I think we're about to see this thing break wide open in the nation because the nation is now saying we've just about had enough of this and Christians are beginning to their eyes are beginning to be opened but more than that I believe we've reached a tipping point where the veil is being pour, pulled back over these slaughterhouses that they so conveniently call abortion centers. It's a watered-down word, abortion, for what it exactly, for what it in reality is, which is the, the 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 annihilation of an entire generation through slaughter. And I can say that because I, I am post-abortive myself. And listen, if you've had an abortion, this is not a this is not a time I'm not condemning you because the blood of Jesus covers and the and, and there is forgiveness. And I know that for me myself, I went uh gosh nine years without the words ever ever passing my lips. I held it deep within my heart because there was so much shame surrounding abortion. But women, after 40 years of this now in our nation, women are beginning to talk and they're beginning to testify of how they have been damaged and wounded by killing their own children within their bodies because it will it is just it will absolutely destroy you on the inside in your heart because a woman was created to to create life eve's name means life God created woman to reproduce holy offspring, Malachi 2. So there is, there is healing for you, and we're going to be talking about that later. But I want to call up some people um, to testify this morning. Um, Lindsay, will you come up? And Mason, will you come up? And Anne-Marie, come up. We only have time for some brief testimonies, but I want you to hear what was happening down there because I'm telling you, there is a war that is going on between demons and angels, and we got right in the middle of it, and we said we are on assignment, and we are carrying the authority of heaven. We are sons of the kingdom, and we know who we are. We know why we've been sent and we stood our ground in those places and we brought heaven into the capital. Doesn't that sound like fun? <laughs> so this is Lindsay. And Lindsay, um, Lindsay was one of the back to life walkers. Um, she walked for 21 days. How many miles was that? 274. 274 miles. Why don't you tell them what you did? You walked from... Yeah, we walked from Houston to Dallas. Um, Houston actually is home to the largest abortion clinic in the Western Hemisphere. 
Um, there's 13 stories tall um, abortion clinic, and one whole story is actually devoted to late-term abortions. And then we walked um, as a prophetic prayer journey, um, as a symbolic declaration, kind of like what Ezekiel did, like laying on his side. Um, how many days was that that Ezekiel like laid in his side on travail for the nation of Israel? We walked... Um, to back to the court steps where Roe v. Wade was first initiated. Yeah, amen. So blood, sweat, and tears, a lot of prayer. A lot of bloody feet. Yeah, blisters. It was, it was painful, but we actually had like a lot of supernatural grace on us. Um, there's girls that had like never exercised a day in their life that, that went the whole way. And, you know, we were walking like 12 and to 15 miles a day, no rest, you know, and that's, that's really hard on a body that's like, that's never yeah. <laughs> exercised. And I, and, and I mean, they were carrying, it was a prayer journey. They were carrying the burden for the, for 50 million babies that had been aborted. And so in carrying that burden, there were just a lot of tears. Mm -hmm. There were, you know, they would sing songs. They would sing worship songs. It was just incredible. Um, just the sacrifice. And then they, they came into the city of Dallas and came into the Esther call where there was a whole like thousands and thousands of women that had come from all over America who were there to greet them. And we, and we, we went eight hours of uh, prayer and worship, so, you know, then they had to go another eight hours. <laughs> but it was great. It was wonderful. So tell about, okay, so you went down there, mm -hmm. and, and really um, labored, had been laboring, so really was carrying authority, and who did you bring with you? Yeah, I brought my daughter. Well, I'd gone on Monday, and I had gone without her because it's just easier to travel without a baby, and she's not even three months. So I brought her down um, with me, with my mom and my sister, and so we got a hotel room like a block away, and I was going to not take her in. Like, there has, there, it's just a violent, um, very, like, fitful place for a baby, and everybody was, like, telling me, don't, don't do that to her. So um, I wasn't going to bring her in. We were just going to take shifts um, watching her at the hotel. So I had finished like feeding her at one point, and I was going to go meet my mom and Candace at the um, Capitol to like switch off. And I don't know why I decided to walk down there just to hand her off instead of them meet me meeting at the hotel. But um, I walked in, and it was crazy because even though I was not planning at all to bring my baby in to that kind of arena, there's a line, like a very long line to get into the gallery. And I was walking like past all these people, pro-choice and pro-life alike. And they would all like stop whatever they were doing and stare at me and the baby. Really not me. They were staring at her. And um, it was crazy, like the awe on their faces for my child. And there, I don't think I saw a whole, another baby the whole day there. Um, but she really was a representative of what this was all about. And it was like yeah. a lot. I was specifically watching the pro-choicers. You can tell who was who because the pro-choicers were wa wearing orange and we were wearing blue. And they were very angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was crazy. They would be like, you know, stand in line. Mm. You know? And so it's like such a cool experience. It really diffused, like just bringing her in there, like diffused um, things and brought so much peace. 
just bringing my baby in there. It was awesome. Tell them the testimony about the um, girl that you had a chance to witness to. Yeah, so I had heard that there was like a nursing room open on the third floor, which is where you get into the, the chamber um, to hear um, the Senate debate. And so I went up there and that actually wasn't open, but so I had to walk through by all these people. Well, this, this girl started following me and taking pictures. And then she finally stopped me and she was like, can I interview you? Like, what are you doing here? Why do you, why did you bring your baby into this mess? <laughs> um, and so I'm like, sure. So we like actually went to a quiet place um, so she could interview me. And we en ended up interviewing for like 30 minutes and I was able to tell her like she was asking me like why I'm here, like what will I tell my daughter about this day and like what I thought about it. Well, I thought she was pro-life because I don't know, like why would you single, you know, like I said, you can tell who's who. So I thought she was interviewing me like to get my pro-life opinion. Um, so I was telling her actually, um, I, it was really Holy Spirit led. I felt like instead of debating her, um, on the points, and, and there was a couple of things I said that were related specifically to the bill, but I really talked about the testimonies of the women. And I'm not post-abortive, but I have several friends, the girls that walked with me, um, there was 39 of us, and um, about half of them had testimonies of being post-abortive. And um, I call those women my sisters now because we've really done battle together, but um, I've gotten to know their stories, and they've really devastated each and every one of them. There's not a single one that have said like, I don't have any effects, any painful effects from aborting my child. And um, that's something that the media will never tell you. And in a lot, it's a, you know, it's a stigma in our society. Yeah. And um, like Tracy said, we're just now, 40 years later, just now hearing stories from these women. But um, this reporter had never heard that either. Like she had never heard Oh, abortion's devastating. My one friend, Summer, she's had three abortions, and she was on the verge of committing suicide. Um, the Holy Spirit broke into her room, and Jesus actually, like, talked to her in her room, like, right before she did it. But, I mean, the devastation from abortion, like, drove her to committing suicide. Yeah. And um, that's something that you'll never hear. And you can't debate it either. You cannot debate a testimony. And so after she, she was like recording me and after um, she finished recording me, she wanted to know more. And so I ended up asking her, are you pro-life or pro-choice? And she's like, I'm actually pro-choice. Um, but she was like, now I'm not so sure. Like, <laughs> Isn't that great? So it was awesome. So Praise I actually got to tell her, you know, like, if it wasn't for Jesus, um, they, they are now healed and they're actually telling other women about, about what's happened to them and a lot of them are here right now. But, um, so it was really cool. I got to tell her about Jesus and, and him, like he, she was a total atheist. She didn't know what she believed and just really confused. But she walked away like knowing the love of God that day, I believe. Yeah, amen. Praise the Lord. All right, Mason, three minutes. Three minutes. Whatever you want. <laughs> okay, so... Tell them about being in the rotunda. Being in the rotunda, all right. Well, um, we were sitting in line to go sit uh, in the, the place where they were having the meeting at, 
And then uh, we hear all this like yelling and screaming and chanting, and it was just really evil. Okay, hold on. Let me set this up. Oh. All right, in the rotunda. Okay, yeah. Okay, in the rotunda, where the the star is, is where the witches would all go, and 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 that's where they would do all of their um, chants and their witchcraft, and they would do they would walk in circles, and then they would they would say certain things that were I don't know chanting to Satan and um, and we finally figured it out because we'd been there for the last uh, week and um, the, there is a woman at the top of the Capitol building I don't know if you guys know this but there's a woman and she's holding a star and it's called the goddess of liberty well they are aligning themselves with this goddess because of well okay there's a long story but anyway they're aligning themselves it's all witchcraft and so they get under this goddess and they begin to chant and it changes the spiritual atmosphere so whoever owns that star whoever has taken authority over that center of the rotunda in the capital is the one that really owns the day so I hear them beginning to do their voodoo or whatever and I grab Mason and a whole group of people and I drag them over there and I'm like stand on this star and don't leave here and they're like okay now granted they're the, some of the meanest, scariest looking people screaming in your face. And so the Mason gets in there and starts worshiping. It was amazing. Oh, okay. Okay. So they, they, they're, they're chanting all this stuff. And uh, <laughs> the whole time I was just manifesting Jesus. Yeah. I was like, ah. <laughs> I was laughing and like, as if I was like in the middle of a Holy Spirit fire tunnel or something. I was just like flopping around and laughing. And at one point, actually, Everyone stopped. It was it was like a 10-second silence where I was just laughing really loudly, and everyone was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and like, the, after after a little bit, there's this lady that came up, and she like stood there, and she she had this like smug look on her face, and she was like doing all this, and I can tell she was like releasing witchcraft. Like it was just this face that she had is like, oh, this lady's releasing witchcraft. So I would laugh at her. <laughs> I was just, I was literally, I was operating under the understanding that I'm a bridge. I'm a door. I carry heaven inside of me. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I'm Where I'm at, I'm going to release heaven. So I just started releasing heaven and I started operating under the authority that I have with the angels. And I started releasing angels in the room and I just started like manifesting everything. And it actually really makes sense with what you were saying about aligning themselves with this goddess because I kept seeing this like black cord come down and then I would cut it and then the black cord would come down and then I would cut it again <laughs> and it just kept going I was like you know what forget this and I was like you know I just released a seraphim to stand right here on this star <laughs> and the, for those of you who don't know those things are as tall as from the earth to the moon they're huge yeah. so I was like you know what if they can just encompass this black cord area then we're good and then at one point like <laughs> at one point I felt like the whole atmosphere shift and I was like okay and I walked away because yeah. like we'd already won <laughs> amen so Abby was watching him manifest and she was like oh he's just drunk in the spirit she said I don't know if this is going to do any good so she walked away and she's like Mason you're drunk in the spirit so then she comes back and she's like whoa the atmosphere changed the angels are present so so worship as we know breaks the back of the enemy there is they can do all their voodoo all day long but the minute that the that the warriors uh, in the kingdom of heaven come on 
the scene, I'm telling you, everything has to bow its knee to the blood of Jesus. Amen. End of story, right? All right. Now, I have to give you kind of a picture of, of what was going on there because they were searching everybody's bags. So they confiscated uh, 12 uh, bottles of feces and urine and that they were going to throw. Yeah, uh, the pro-choicers. That they were going to throw... <laughs> <laughs> on the senators and bricks and, and, bricks. and paint and paint and, and use tampons and use tampons thank you just the most vile most vulgar things were happening while we were there there are things that we can't talk about because we're in church um, but there were so many vulgar things that were going on that they were doing. And, and it was truly, truly the, just the light and the darkness. And, and we were, I was shocked. I was shocked by what I was seeing and what I was hearing. Um, they confiscated a semi-automatic rifle. They confiscated a handgun. At one point, we were completely surrounded. The Capitol was completely surrounded. And um, there was a, they locked down the Capitol. They locked down the Senate chambers, which is where um, Anne-Marie and I were. Um, Kat was there. Um, um, Crystal Stanley, Marcus. And so we were in the, in the Senate chambers for, uh, from 2.30 until 1 a.m. When you go into the Senate chambers, you cannot leave. If you leave, you lose your place. And we knew that we had authority over that place, so we could not have any water, we couldn't have any food, and we couldn't go to the bathroom. And so we had, we were under a supernatural grace of God to stand in that place and, and to, to pray as sentinels and watchmen so that these senators would be safe, so that the, the lifers would be safe, that we would bring the kingdom of heaven in that place. And so when Anne-Marie got there, we didn't get to choose where we sat. We were actually placed into these uh, seats. And so Anne-Marie got placed right in the center of... Well, I was fed like fish food to an orange section. And um, <laughs> literally, I was wearing a, a Superman uh, shirt, and she I was. had a red cape. She I did. thought that would be fun. I thought I'd fit right in. It was a Halloween atmosphere. So anyway, I had all kinds of eyes turning, and so the troopers really liked it. And so anyway, an orange had come out, and so they told me to go take that place. And that place was a whole section of oranges right down in the front on an end. And so I sat there for a while, and I mean, you could just feel the hot hissing breath they were so upset that I was there and I thought okay I'm just gonna make this fun so you know I'm just praying and we didn't there was not a senate break all day except maybe late afternoon they took a one five minute break the whole entire day and a few minutes later I hear Amory and I look back and it's Tracy she had come around to, to talk to me and she motions me up so I get out there and I said what she goes I have bad news I said, what? She said, you're sitting, Laura uh, Allred of Back to Life told me you're sitting in the witch's section. I said, oh, okay, well, that really, that explains a lot. So she's like, do you want to move? I said, no, I'll stay there. So I stayed there, just prayed all manner of, of, of prayers and just, uh, just asking for the Lord's protection for him to break in on them. You know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, so we want the Lord to break in on their lives. But anyway, it turned out that probably about 8.30 or 9.00, a friend of ours, Brittany Nelson of World Prayer Center, she texted Tracy and I and she said, hey, two seats just opened up near us. Come sit by us. So I got out and literally about 30 minutes later, I don't know if you guys saw it on the news, it made front page of a lot of the stories, a whole 
front row where I was sitting. sitting next to. Yeah, the whole, all the witches uh, in the front row right where I was. They were wearing white. They stood up. They chained themselves to the rail. They had this fake blood coming out. They're chanting all of this nonsense. It stopped the Senate floor for a few minutes. But the Lord literally delivered me. He had me there on assignment for a few minutes and then delivered me right in time. It was really, really awesome. But let me just say a few other things just really quick because I want to tell you what I would want to know if I, or if I were you. First of all, in the text, I, we, I was privileged to listen to all of the debate in the House and all of the debate in the Senate. You guys, we have some amazing rep, Texas representatives yeah. and Texas senators. We put some list, a list of their, their names out there on the information table. I'm telling you, they're opening these sessions praying in the name of Jesus in Christ the name of Jesus. for healing to come to our land and for revival to come. Yeah. I mean, their, their prayers made the hair on my arm stand up. And, and I mean, as awesome as the, you know, it helped to see the evil that was there because so often, you know, we think, well, the other side is just that, you know, the real polished feminists that are just make themselves look like they're pro-women and pro-choice. But we actually got to see a visual of what's really fueling them. The satanic stuff. We saw signs, dumpster babies against Perry, abortion on demand without apology, hissing at us, yelling, screaming. I mean, it's vile. But the light, they're really mad because the light is making inroads. Yeah. So I want to just tell you guys, your prayers are working. Thank you for your prayers. Um, one of the other, one really quick thing, other thing, was how strategic they are. Both times that we were there, they'd send an orange around by the blues to see where the holes were so that they'd go fill them. So this is an enemy that understands spiritual warfare. Like they've already testified, they understand the strategy, the high place, yeah. how to fit in there. And so we can't afford not to stand. Some people say, well, why do you go? Well, they understand what it means to take ground. Yeah. So we have to do it. Yeah. We just have to do it. Yeah. I encourage you, if you get a chance, write our Texas senators a letter, tweet, Facebook, whatever. Thank, you, Thank them. Pray for strength. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, because these guys are, you know, these are people. They're not superheroes. They're just people that are responding to the word of God. And they're saying the word of God is true. Therefore, I'm going to line my life up with the word of God, whether I lose my place here in the Senate or not. I, this on this day I will take a stand so I encourage you to write them I encourage you to get to know more about what goes on and 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 as we've been talking about over the past couple of Sundays about the just the temple of Zerubbabel was a symbolic temple of the internal governmental rule that Jesus died so that we could walk in and that is that of the priest and the king and so we pray, but we also act. We pray and we go out and preach the gospel. We pray and we go out and take a stand in the public forum. We pray and then we take worship into the, into the state capitol. I mean, we have our worship leaders in the state capitol leading worship in that place so that the body of Christ can join in and the song of heaven can break the back of the enemy. So, um, <clears throat> I encourage you I encourage you just to um, write some thank you notes and tell them how much you appreciate it. A lot of the things that were going on, the chanting, Hail Satan, um, the large population of witch, witches uh, that, were, that were chanting, and, and um, you know, we have to ask ourselves, why are these people raging? 
Why are these people raging the way that they are? Because this was basically called the fetal pain bill. And it was limiting abortion. It wasn't abolishing abortion, but it was limiting abortion. However, abortion will be abolished in this generation. Abortion, the abortion is going to end in America, and I'm prophesying that. However, this particular bill said after 20 weeks, the, the, the mercy and the, and, and the, and, and of the, our legislators, legislators said, you know, after 20 weeks, a child can feel pain. Therefore, we are going to limit abortion in Texas, and a, a woman cannot get abortion after the time of 20 weeks. And so I want you to show, I want to see you, I want to show you what, what the argument was over. It was over this baby here. Um, it was that baby. They showed that picture in the Senate chambers. And they said, this is what this is about. And there were, there were believers who were there, who were, who were senators, and they said, I am a born-again Christian, and I have accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I believe in life, but I also believe in choice, which is just a fancy word for death. I believe in life, but I believe in death. And, it, and it's such deception, because they're, what they're saying is that the Word of God is not the final authority. But, but as believers, we have to line ourselves up not with what the culture says, but what God says. He, it's his word that we follow and not our own opinion, our own emotions, our own thoughts, you know, what our own, uh, you know, the humanism. I mean, we have to say, is this life or is this death? Is this a life or isn't it? Because this is what Jesus says. Jesus says in Psalm 127.3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. Psalm 139, 13-17, David wrote these words, For you formed me in my inner parts, my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden for you, from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they are written... The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none. How precious are your thoughts of me, O God, and how great is the sum of them. Every child from the point of conception, God knew them before they were even conceived. And their names were written in the book of life so that they would have a destiny and a calling. Do you know how many prophets that we have killed? 50 million voices that are going to proclaim the name of Jesus. That the image of God, of 50 million images of God have been wiped out in this nation. It's called, it's not called abortion. It's called the shedding of innocent blood. That's what God calls it. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and I called you a prophet to the nations. John the Baptist leapt in his mother's womb before when Jesus was just a zygote. The power of the seed, the power of the image of God that Mary was carrying in her womb 
that wasn't even at the point of 20 weeks. It was just a seed caused John the Baptist to leap in his mother's womb. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the destiny on these children before they are even formed. So what is God after? Malachi 2.15 says that God's after a holy offspring. That's why he's called us to reproduce. Reproduce a holy offspring. There were so many prophetic signs that happened while we were there. Number one, there was a man uh, named uh, uh, Representative Sylvester. Let me see if I can find his name. Yeah, he was the representative, uh, Sylvester Turner. He was uh, in the House of Representatives. And he was, he was fighting for um, um, late-term abortion. So he's up there and he's debating. And the speaker is, is trying to bring order to the House. And so he takes the gavel and he's bringing the gavel down. The gavel breaks. The head of the gavel goes hurling towards this representative and it hits him in the back. And we were like, whoa. You know, there's a court in heaven. There's a judge in heaven. And what's interesting is just not even a month ago, like two weeks ago, the very same thing happened in Wisconsin when they were debating an abortion bill. The gavel came down and the gavel broke in half. So you look for these prophetic signs and here's one of the most compelling prophetic signs. We were sitting there in the Senate and um, put a picture of the, um, the woman with the blood on her skirt. So you've got this woman up there, and she's chained herself, and she's got a skirt on. You can't see it because they're trying to get the chain from around her waist. Uh, nobody really knows how she got that in there, but um, anyway. So, so she's chained herself. All these girls have blood, and they've spilt blood here, saying that there's going to be now coat hanger abortions because we won't let them have late-term abortions. And um, so... Um, I see this and I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is Jeremiah 2, 34. This is a prophetic sign. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 2. Because I want you to see this for yourself. Because God is talking through this whole um, um, situation and we have to be able to see what, what, it, what is God saying? What is he saying right now? What are his thoughts about what's happening? And, and, and so when you have the eyes to see, it, it, it's incredible. Let's start with verse 32. So Jeremiah 2, 32. Now you have to understand these women, keep that picture up there for me. These women are fighting for the freedom to freely have sex and the freedom to be able to kill a child no matter how old that baby is in the womb. Is it 39 weeks? Is it 40 weeks? They don't care. Their minds are so seared by the demonic and that they have no conscience. Their consciences have been seared and they no longer can think. And, and holiness has been removed from them so they're not thinking with a clear mind. And so this is what the word says in Jeremiah 2.32. Can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. 
Why do you beautify your way to seek love? Therefore you have also taught the wicked women your ways. Also on your skirts is found the blood of the lives of the poor innocents. I have not found it by secret search, but plainly on these things... Yet you say, because I am innocent, surely his anger shall turn from me. Behold, I will plead my case against you because you say I have not sinned. She, this right here is a prophetic sign of the judgment of God against the shedding of innocent blood. She's actually prophesying the judgment of God against herself. It's just incredible at the insanity that we were seeing with these women. And, and, and there was such a difference between these senators. The ones who were standing for life were doing it in the name of Jesus. And they were doing it because they were saying that this is life. And they were saying, look, we are limiting abortion. But our goal is that there will be no abortion. And they were so bold. And I was so proud. And they weren't just saying the name of Jesus or praying the name of Jesus. Several of them began to preach. <laughs> they began to preach the word of God. And I'm just like, I mean, they went on for 15 to 20 minutes. And they, one of them was a Democrat. He had, uh, actually, they locked us, after a while, they locked us in some of the Senate offices because it, it got so dangerous. Um, and the Porter girls were locked in one of the senator's offices, the Democrat that was preaching the gospel. It was incredible. Um, he had apostolic prayers on his walls. So, what are we talking about here? We're talking about the shedding of innocent blood. Abortion is a civil rights issue, but it's also a human right issue. These babies have a right to life. A lot of the women, their, their argument is that it's about women's rights. That women have the right to choose what they do with their own body. But there are women in their bodies. There are women in their bodies. What about the right of that woman to choose? What about the right for that woman? What about her future? When you get pregnant... You give up the right to choose. Because God has already made the choice. There may be an unplanned pregnancy, but there is never an unplanned baby. God established that. And even though sometimes pregnancy can come through incest or it can come through rape, God can take something that is evil and he can turn it for good. I've heard countless testimonies of women that have um, chosen to, to give birth and to give life and to put a child up for adoption after rape. That child has gone on to have a family tree that extends for generations because that one woman chose life. So now that woman who is living had children and her children had children and those children had children because of the decision of one woman who chose life. Surely blood requires blood in God's judgment. Turn to Genesis 9, verse 5 and 6. Are y'all okay? All right, because I think it's important for us to get the word of God and what God is saying about this because right now, beloved, America is covered with the, the blood that has been shed over the past 40 years. 
Genesis 9, 5 through 6. Surely for your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning, and from the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man, from the hand of every man's brother I will require a life of man. Whoever sheds a man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for the image of God, for, for in the image of God he made man. And so God is looking at himself and he, he made man in his image to be reproduced in the earth, to take dominion in the earth. And when we take an innocent life, that blood actually has a voice. What did, he, what, what did uh, God say to Cain? He said, what have you done to your brother? For his voice cries out from the ground. What, what does it say in, in the book of Revelation? The, 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 the martyrs are saying, how long, O God? How long is it going to take before you redeem our blood? Where's the rec recompense for us? Before you, before you come and, 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 and we are victorious through you avenging our blood. Think about that. The blood. Think about what's, what we're looking at now in America. I believe that America is in grave danger because of this blood. Not only that, the blood of the innocent fuels the demonic. So why are the witches so upset? Why are they raging? Why did they come down there? Because they're about to lose their power source. And when the witches and the demonic are, are, are fueled by the blood of the innocent, it causes wickedness and lawlessness to abound in the land. And we see that. We're like, what's happening? People are going crazy. They're feeding off of this blood. And the bloodshed's been going on for 40 years. But Jesus said, I have a better blood. I have a better blood. Amen. Thank God. So there's a blood pollution problem on American soil. And I'm just going to talk real straight up with you guys. The most dangerous terrorism is not Islam. Islam. But it's God. And I say that with, with all sobriety, but one of God's names is the Avenger of the Blood. Nothing can wash away defilement of the blood except for the blood of Christ. Numbers 35, 33 says this, So you shall not pollute the land where you are, for blood defiles the land, and no atonement can be made for the land, for the blood that is shed on it except the blood of him who shed it. We need a clear doctrine on the shedding of innocent blood. We need, a clear, we need a clear understanding of what this war is all about. But God raises up intercessors, just as he did at the Esther call. And he calls us to stand in the gap for an entire nation. Who is it that will stand in the gap? He asks the question, who will stand in the gap before me? He says this in Psalm 106, Therefore he has said that he would destroy them had not Moses chosen as one who stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he destroy them. 
So the sacrificing of babies is fueling this demonization. Psalm 106, 37-40 says this, They even sacrificed their sons and daughters to demons and shed innocent blood. The blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to idols at Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Therefore the wrath of God was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance. In Jeremiah 9, the Lord is prophesying and he's warning his people about the shedding of innocent blood. And he brings it down to this. Now this is the God of the entire universe. This is the God that knows the beginning from the end. This is the God who is completely sovereign. And he makes this statement in, in um, Jeremiah 9. He said, after he saw them sacrificing their babies to the god of Molech. And Molech was a, it was a statue that was made out of iron. And they would, the statue, they would put wood around the statue to get the hands of the statue burning hot. And, and, and th this is the children of Israel would take their babies and lay it on these hands till the babies were singed to death. And God saw that and he said this, it never entered my mind that you would kill your own children. It never entered into the mind of God that we would destroy our own children, our own seed. Not once, but twice in the testimonies of, of these senators and these representatives, they got up to argue the case for, for um, late-term abortion. And they said this, that they, even though they loved their grandchildren, if their daughters got pregnant, they would take them to an abortion clinic and kill the grandchildren that they now had. I couldn't believe my ears. they think that's okay. They fully believe in that statement that they would kill their own offspring. But really, this is where we've come to. There was a reporter there with, from CNN and he came up to one of our girls and he said, um, thank you so much for the decorum and your decorum and, and, and just the peace that you walk in. And he said, to, to take pictures of all of these rioting women and, and to videotape this. I have to do it because it's my job. But he said, I, and, and she said he was shaking while he was telling her this. And he said, I'm not here to debate sides or anything. But he said, it's scaring me what's happening to our nation. He said, I'm seeing this kind of murderous Spirit, he didn't say spirit, but he said violence all over America. Because as the, as the righteous begin to rise up and the veil is getting pulled back on really what's happening in these abortion clinics, 
I'm telling you, there's a war that's coming, and it's a civil war in this nation. And Abraham Lincoln said this about the civil war before. He said that the, that the nation was under judgment and there was a reckoning for America for the bloodshed of, of slavery. And he said this in his second inaugural address. Fondly do we hope and fervently do we pray that this mighty scourge of war may speedily pass away. Yet if God wills that it continue until all the wealth piled up by the bondsmen's 250 years of unrequented toil shall be sunk and until every drop of blood drawn with the lash shall be paid by another drawn with the sword as it was said 3,000 years ago shall it must be said today that the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether he understood that the shedding of the innocent blood of 250 years of slavery was now being, we were being held accounted for that. And he said it took time, it took time, but there will be a day of reckoning unless the church stands up in this hour and begins to intercede, begins to pray, begins to elect righteous leaders so that we can bring this down. I've quoted a lot of scriptures from the Old Testament, but I want you to know that even in the New Testament, Pilate understood the curse of the shedding of innocent blood, which is why when he finally said, take Jesus to the cross, he had them bring them a bowl of water so that he could publicly wash his hands. And he said, I cleanse my hands from the shedding of innocent blood. Because he knew that there would be recompense, that there would be an account. There, God keeps a record. He is a righteous judge. And while he doesn't judge us individually, the word is that he does judge nations. In Matthew 27, 4, Judas understood that he shed the innocent blood of Jesus and he hung himself afterwards. Beloved, I am telling you that, that this day is upon us and we are in a day of victory. We're in a day of advancement. We're in a day right now where we are moving this forward. There are so many things that we have yet to be uncovered that are coming in the days. I just heard of one last night that's going to make Gosnell that happened in Pennsylvania, the doctor who was doing all kinds of just horrifying things in his, in his um, abortion clinic. There's one that's coming that's going to make him look like a saint. I'm telling you, the atrocities, the torment is about to come to an end. Because the church is going to be, it's going to be awakened and shocked at what's been happening in this nation behind closed doors.